meeting is being recorded. Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Iris again, and we're back on the air with Dr. Shiver. And um, we're just going to continue from where we left off on the last session. So let's just say good morning, Dr. Shiver. How are you? Well, good morning to you again, Iris. It's good to be back with you again. I always look forward to these times of sharing from the Word of God with all of your audience scattered wherever they all are. I'm amazed, always amazed to hear your reports of how many different corners of the globe this audience is that listens to these <clears throat> these times together. I'm, it's just amazing, all the different, not just countries, but continents yeah. where where this where this these times ultimately wind up so we give god all the praise and all the glory for that but it's good to be back with you and it's good to be back with your audience wherever your audience is in the world today it's good to be here yeah they're, they're not a bad bunch they're very quiet I, very <laughs> they listen up good <laughs> They listen, and I, I have not seen any raising hands to ask questions either. So uh, That means they're uh, taking it all in. I know them. They are. <laughs> well, whatever, whatever. But it's always good. It's always good to be with you. Okay. Well, you, you just, you know, take over there and see what you can tell us today. Because I'm really, you know, personally, I'm really looking for the next episode. So... I can sit here and enjoy it as well. <laughs> well, we, we certainly <clears throat> we certainly recognize that not everyone that's listening in today was listening in last time. Mm -hmm. Just like everybody that was here last time weren't necessarily here the the week before that. So we try to to provide some continuity to these and for those that are maybe listening in for the first time, try to catch people <clears throat> up, excuse me, from a little bit of review about where we, we're, we're coming from. And I had, <clears throat> I had shared a couple of weeks ago about a story, a fascinating story uh, that took place back in December 28th, uh, 2004, when when the third largest earthquake in recorded history occurred in the Indian Ocean off the coast of, of Indonesia. It was the equivalent of 30,000 nuclear weapons being detonated simultaneously. It set off tremors and small earthquakes all around the world that day. And scientists later discovered that it had actually shifted the earth on its axis almost one inch, maybe a little less than an inch, but close to an inch. Iris, it's hard for me to imagine an event in the earth's surface down below the ocean that would be that powerful, that that shift would be sufficient to actually move our entire planet yeah. an inch off, off kilter, off of its present axis. But that's what happened. Now, we, we looked at that 
from the example of, of really what happened in an earthquake physically, the same kind of thing happened in the realm of the spirit 2000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. When the promise that Jesus had made to his disciples that he would pray the Father and the Father would send the Holy Spirit happened at nine o'clock in the morning in a in an upper second level room in Jerusalem that was capable of holding just a few hundred people. That morning there were only 120 there. And so the majority of Jerusalem never really knew what was going on that morning uh, just prior, just like people didn't know anything about the earthquake. But what happened that morning is God sent the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when he comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I liken that story from Acts chapter 2 to the earthquake of December 4, 2004, in the sense that something happened out of sight, down deep, powerful, profound, but it touched everything. And we talked about tsunamis, the, the great tsunami that was released by that sudden um, shifting of the tectonic plates of the Earth's crust, traveling at about 600 miles an hour, but it was underneath the waves of the ocean. And there were actually ships that sailed right over it and never saw anything because it was down low beneath. They said the water looked disturbed on the surface, but there was no wave. But when that force, that power, that shock wave that had been set off by that earthquake, traveling at about 600 miles an hour through the Indian Ocean, began to to approach the coastlines of India, Bangladesh, Thailand, Asia, the force of that began to pile up water and little waves began to come in and they came in faster and faster and got bigger and bigger. At first they were very, very small but when the full force came, those waves were almost, a, in some places, 100 feet tall. Wow. I can't imagine waves 100 feet tall, but that's, that's what happened. 280,000 people lost their lives that day. But there was something happening out there. And one of my favorite parts of that story was all the animals around that whole, that whole ark of the Indian Ocean began to become agitated and several hours before the tsunami actually hit, the animals began running uh, toward the high places, the hills and the mountains to get away from the beach. Now, none of those animals had ever been through a tsunami. They that had never happened before. So it's not like that just happened a year or so ago. And they remembered, they sensed something in nature. They sensed something in the environment that 
people did not know. And I think I read somewhere the only the only two animals that died that day were two were two water buffalo in India, and they died only because they were tied up. Mm. And all all the other all of the other animals in that whole part of the world had sent something and had fled to safety at the high place. And so. I use that story to illustrate a truth that 2000 years ago on the day of Pentecost, God sent the Holy Spirit upon the church. And for the last 2000 years, and we, we've touched upon that, we've had waves of revival. We've had waves of revival. We had all the great waves of revival in the first century church as the church exploded all across the, the known world at that time. But after the first century, you get into the second and the third century, things began to go silent. But yet that the shockwaves of Pentecost continued. And we've talked about the history of, of, of the glory still flowing in the earth. And, and then we've, we've talked about how that after the year 1100 AD, God began to move again. And throughout the 12th century, the 13th, the 14th, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, and the 18th centuries, there were waves, waves, waves of revival that were coming in. But by the time we get to the 19th century, well, the 18th century with the 1700s, we had a global awakening called the First Great Awakening, which the waves of the tsunami got higher and, and went further than ever before. But on the heels of that was the, the general awakening around 1800. And then after that came the Second Great Awakening. And then we get over to 1904 in Wales, the great Welsh revival, Azusa Street in 1906. And all across the, the years of the 20th century, there were more revivals, more waves, shock waves, tsunami waves of, of revival and the glory and the anointing of God between 1900 and 2000 as had been witnessed between Pentecost and 1900 put together. Mm. Now, I think that's significant. Now, one of, the character, one of the things that happened at the great tsunami of, of 2004 is right before the, way, the waves started coming in, all the water went out. And in many places along the shoreline of the Indian Ocean, the ocean withdrew a mile. At one place, it was 1.6 miles of just ocean floor exposed. And people went running out to gather up fish that were out there flopping, that had gotten left behind when the water receded, having no idea that all that water was going to come back and waves of tsunami, and those people, of course, perished. 
Well, I've used that illustration as a comparison with Pentecost revivals across the years to make a simple point that here we are today. It appears that all the water has gone out, just like Paul prophesied would happen in his letter to the church at Thessalonica when he talked about it in the last days, there would come a great falling away. And, and yet it was in those same last days that Joel 2.28 says, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, is that a contradiction where Paul is saying in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away? Joel's prophesying in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. No, those are not contradictions at all. It's simply what happened with a tsunami. Before the tsunami came, all the water receded and went out. Mm. And then suddenly it all came back and brought 100-foot waves with it. I believe with all my heart, Iris, that's exactly where we are today. I believe that Jesus is coming. And you and I have spent many hours together with your audience talking about characteristics of the last days, the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, what we're doing in heaven um, during the seven-year tribulation. But Iris, all of this is so real right now. It is so real. I mean, when we realize that every, every biblical prophecy that the Bible describes as being present before the coming of Jesus. Every one of those boxes has now been checked, all of them, yeah. with one exception, and that is that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Even Paul's, even Paul's words to the church at, at Thessalonica about how in the last days there would come a great falling away. Iris, I believe even that has happened yeah. and is presently happening. I mean, churches are empty. Pulpits have become nothing more than Sunday hour-long entertainment to get people to come and give money. The, the word is not preached all the craziness that goes on, it was all prophesied in, in, in the New Testament. And we don't have to go back and look at all that again as a review because we've already covered all that sufficiently, I think. But I say all that to say this. Every box has been checked. The tide has gone out. It has laid bare um, everything in plain sight, but there's one more thing to happen, and that is for the tsunami of the glory of God, the greatest revival the world has ever seen to come, and I believe it could come any year now, or any month now, or any week now, or any day now, that we may be that close. And when that happens, Iris, and I'm not going to 
maybe we'll come back and talk about that on another on another day for your audience. But when that happens, the rapture of the church is imminent. Absolutely. Imminent. Imminent. I mean, when when that happens, be ready to go <laughs> because the trump is going to sound. And don't wait to get ready then because you may not be have time to get ready. Be ready today. So having said all of that, let us move forward now in our study together about the last days, the Holy Spirit. And I want to begin by saying that these things that we're talking about right now, no other group of people, no other group of Christians have ever lived in a time like we're living in. No other group have ever lived at a moment of history where so much Bible prophecy has been fulfilled. So much Bible prophecy has come into manifestation globally in every area, politically, economically, socially, scientifically. No other generation has ever lived at a moment like this. That's got to be very, very significant. And so if we're, we're talking about a tsunami of the glory and of the anointing of God, we have to clearly in our hearts establish that this is not about an event or a manifestation. But to your audience today, I want you to listen very, very carefully. It is about the presence of a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. This is not a movement. This is not a fad. This is not a phenomenon. This is about the presence of the great third person of the Trinity, the person of the Holy Ghost manifesting himself to all flesh. Well, what is the purpose of that? To bring as many people to Jesus as possible, as quickly as possible. One of the great, one of the great mysteries in my life in ministry is God has sent us all over the world and the presence of the Lord has been there in all the meetings, has been how many people will run to be in the presence of God and how many others will run to get away from the presence of God. Now, let me say that again. When the glory of God comes, people react. And for many, it is something they run to but for others, it is something that they run to get away from. And I believe the reason people run to get away from it is there's sin in their life. They're confronted with the reality of God. It becomes uncomfortable and they don't want to face the reality of, of their spiritual condition. Others, on the other hand, will, will be attracted and run to the Lord. Isn't it interesting? I love the story 
of Jesus going to Gennesaret. He and his disciples arrived on the beach at Gennesaret, and there was a man there that had a legion of devils inside him. Now, legion was like 6,000. So I'm not counting devils, but when Jesus commanded him and said, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. This man was naked. He had supernatural demonic strength. People had tried to, groups of people would try to jump on him and tie him down with chains. He had the ability to break the chains. He lived in the cemetery, the graveyards, always screaming, cutting himself with stones, all of these things. But when Jesus came to Gennesaret, this man that held all these demons went running to Jesus and cast himself at, at, at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus cast those devils out of that man. And the demons were pleading, Lord, don't, don't send us to hell. Don't, don't send us to hell. Let us go into the pigs. And there were a herd of pigs there close by. And so Jesus cast out all these thousands of these demonic spirits. And they went into this big herd of pigs. And the pigs went running down the hillside in, into the Sea of Galilee and drowned there. Now, I'm telling this story for a reason. The people in the city and in the region heard about what had happened. And they came out to see Jesus. And they were terrified at what had happened. And the Bible says they begged Jesus to leave. Isn't that remarkable that a man with 6,000 devils runs to Jesus? And Jesus delivers him. All these other people come out there and they ask Jesus, please, please leave. Don't stay here. And Jesus turned around and got in the boat and left them. And he sent the man back to give his testimony. Well, that's an example of people being attracted and people being repelled. So this last day tsunami of the Holy Spirit will be a confrontation thing where God is going to reveal his power, reveal his glory globally in order that people will have a choice. There will be no person, there will be no person that will stand before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I didn't know I, I was trying to live a good life and I was trying to do right. I was trying to be a moral, upstanding person. I, Lord, I was trying to treat people the way I would like people to treat me. I never knew about the God. No, that's that last day tsunami. There was no one in that region of the world on December 28, 2004, on the beach that didn't get affected by the tsunami, you see. And so this last day outpouring on all flesh is going to impact all flesh. Those that run to him shall be saved and I believe caught up in the rapture. And those that run away will be left behind for 
for that seven-year tribulation. However, and I, I'm not going to go there this morning, another time, I believe, and I will show scripture another day, how the great tsunami of the last day revival will continue on after the rapture. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. It's going to continue on because then it will be the Jewish people. Israel shall be saved, just like Paul said in Romans, that all of Israel is going to be saved. Revelation talks about 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe of Israel, evangelists that are going to be raised up, sealed, that they not die, that they not be killed, that will go forth preaching and there will, that Israel is going, and the Jewish people, the majority of them will recognize Jesus as the Messiah and will be saved. But there will be multitudes of people that were either backslidden Christians or lost people that ran away that will get saved. But they will go through, through the first three and a half years of tribulation. And at that midpoint, they will be taken out of the earth and then the wrath of God will be released for the next, for the next uh, three and a half years until Jesus comes again and establishes his rule on the earth. Now we're not going to get into that today. My point is we must know the Holy Spirit and the church must embrace the Holy Spirit and hunger and desire the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the essence of all that God is. He is the Spirit of the Father. Therefore, everything you see in the Father, He is, for He's the Spirit of the Father. He's the essence of Jesus, because everything Jesus is, He is, because He's the Spirit of Jesus. But this is so important right now for your audience to grasp. And it is this, the Holy Spirit is the only one member of the Trinity that is here in the earth today. He is the only one. The Father is in heaven seated on his throne. Isaiah saw him. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up his train, filled the temple. And he went on to describe the seraphim and the cherubim and and the altar and the flames and the coals and of fire and all of that. He saw that. John had visions of, of heaven and the throne and the rainbow around about the throne and the river of God. Well, that's where the Father is today. Where is Jesus today? He is at the right hand of the Father in heaven today. So what am I saying? The Holy Spirit who is the spirit of the Father, the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of Jesus, is the only single member of the Trinity that it is here right now in the earth today. That's the reason Revelation, the last verses of Revelation, closes out saying the Holy Spirit and the bride, which is the church, the Holy Spirit and the church say, come, Lord Jesus. Now think about that. Mm -hmm. The Holy 
Holy Spirit literally longs for the coming of Jesus. He has been here with us now for 2,000 years, keeping, building, moving, building the church and the kingdom in the lives of and hearts of people. But even the Holy Spirit longs for the day that, that the Lord will come and the bride and the groom shall be united to live together forever and ever. So, the point I'm trying to make is, and I, please listen, wherever you are listening to this time with Iris, listen, how we treat the Holy Spirit is how we treat the Father and the Son. For he is the Spirit of the Father. For the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the Son. And how we relate to him, how we treat him, is the same exact, there's no difference in the way we treat the Father and the Son. For he is the spirit. You cannot say, oh, I, I just love the Father, but Jesus, I don't like anything to do with Jesus. And I don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. You cannot do that. How do you separate them? You can't separate them. For a person to say, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't like the Father. Jesus said that he that has seen me has seen the Father. You cannot separate Jesus from the Father, nor the Father from the Son. Nor can you separate the Holy Spirit from Jesus and the Father. How we treat the Holy Spirit is exactly the same way we are treating the Father and the Son. All right, let me move on. Let me move on. Well, before I move on, let me just make one more point, because this is for somebody out there. Some people love God the Father. Some people say some people say they love God the Father. Some people say God they love God the Son, and then they say they love the the Holy Bible. You know. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible. But they don't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And, and I just want to say, do you not understand that the person that wrote the Bible was the Holy Spirit? Yeah. How, how do you plan to read the Bible with the Holy Spirit? How do you plan to understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit? How do you plan to preach the Bible without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You're just throwing empty words, lifeless words at people without the anointing of the Holy Spirit that makes it all spirit and life. All right, let me, let me move forward to them. I'm going long on this, but hey, we're in, we're in no hurry. We're, is that right, Iris? We're not in any big hurry. Absolutely. All right. Because these truths are so critically important. They are so critically important. The, the Bible tells us that about this, the scriptural references to the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Genesis 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26 
says, this is about the creation of Adam and Eve. Genesis 1.26 says, then God said, let us make man in our image. It's right there in your Bible. Yeah. Why would God say, he didn't say, and God said, I'm going to make man in my image. The Bible says, let us, who's the us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, make man in one image? No, our, our, plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our image according to our, not one, but plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, image. Therefore, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. There it is, 26 verses into the beginning of the Bible. It's already talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 6, verse 8. This took place on that, that time that Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And Isaiah was caught up into heaven. And he said in Isaiah 6, 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us. He heard the father say, who shall I send and who's going to go for us? Luke chapter three, verses 21 and 22. Luke 3, 21, 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove from him. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now go look at that ver those two verses of scripture and you see the Trinity all at the baptism. There's Jesus son in the water with John the Baptist. He comes up out of the water. The heavens are open. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. And then a voice is heard. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is one of several times that you find the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all at the same place at the same time, just like in Genesis 1 that we just read. John verse 14, 8 and 9 says, Philip said to him, Jesus, Lord, show us the Father that is sufficient for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you show us the Father? All right. Now look at John 14, 16, where this Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Jesus said, have I been with you so long? 
you did, still don't get it. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All right, that's what Jesus has just said. Now, pick that same discussion up in verse 16. And Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, Jesus addresses Philip and says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Now Jesus is saying, I am going to pray the father and he is going to give you another one. And I love the word another there, Iris. Yeah. That word another comes from a Greek word called alos, A-L-L-O-S. Alos literally means an exact duplicate. Yeah. An exact duplicate. A mirror image who is just exactly like me. And then Jesus continues to say in John 16, he said 16 verses 12 through 16, Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth comes. Now, who is that spirit of truth? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the alos, the one exactly like him. Yeah. And he told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the Father and the Son are exact. He said, when the Spirit of truth, the Alos, Comforter, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. Now, let me read that again, and I just want to encourage all of your audience to look this scripture up, John 16, 12 through 16, Jesus said, all things the Father has are mine, therefore, I said, he, the Holy Spirit, who the Father is going to send, will take of mine and declare it to you a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me because I go to the father. Jesus actually said in this same passage, it is going to be to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, he can't come. But if, if I go away, I will pray the father. He will send you one exactly like me to teach you things that I have not been able to teach you and show you. He has the capacity to do that. And so, so back to what we started with here in the very, very beginning, you see how we treat the Holy Spirit is exactly equal to how we're treating the Father. Yeah. How we treat the Holy Spirit is exactly equal to how we're treating the Lord Jesus. For he is the spirit of the Father. He is the spirit of the Son. And when we want nothing to do with the Holy Spirit, we are literally saying, 
without even realizing the foolishness of what we're saying. We're saying we don't want Jesus nor the Father. So, John, I can ask you a question on that because Absolutely. some people might. That means if we ignore Holy Spirit and go straight to God, we can't because we have the communicator within the Holy Spirit. Yes. And we are missing yes. it. Pray all you like, we are missing it. If you don't, include the Holy Spirit. Iris, people do not understand. They think prayer, that our prayers have to be launched on a rocket and carried off far, far into outer space to get them to heaven. They think we need satellites to beam our prayers up. Our prayers are heard by God as close as our lips mm -hmm. because of him. Yeah. For he is yeah. the spirit of God living inside of us. Mm -hmm. He is the spirit of the Lord living inside of us, but always about us here, engaged with us, living in us. You know, sometimes we shout when we pray. And I don't have a problem at all shouting out of passion and faith and desperation. But God is not far away that he needs us to shout in order to be able to hear us. Mm -hmm. For he is here by his spirit. That's mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. He's Jesus, here. Jesus actually says to be with you, to comfort you. I mean, Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit for that purpose. Yes. Well, Paul, Paul ended his letter to second, his second letter to the Corinthian church by, by praying for them that they would know the great love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. See? And so... You know, that's the reason I, I just keep I just keep trying to drive this truth and reality home in the hearts of people. Yeah. That we must not we must not separate the Father from Jesus. We must not separate the Father and Jesus from the Holy Spirit. Yeah how we relate to him how we relate to him I can honestly say that the single most important discovery I've ever made second only to salvation itself is that the Holy Spirit is a person he is the person the spirit of Jesus he is the person the spirit of the father. And he is the one that has been given here to us to help us, encourage us, teach us. I, 
Iris, when I made this discovery, everything changed. I, we had started a church back in the 1980s. And I was just hungry for God. And I won't tell the whole story, but I was discovering that the Holy Spirit was a person. Mm -hmm. And we were, we had started this church and we were meeting in a school building and on Sunday mornings. And um, we had gone to the school and we would always meet in the cafeteria of the school for our church service. Well, it was Sunday morning. It had been pouring rain all night. I had not slept that night very well. I had a headache. I was in a bad mood. I got to the church that morning. The janitors from the school had not taken the garbage out of the cafeteria from lunch on Friday. And the place stunk with the smell of garbage, and there were flies flying everywhere. It was a dreadful place. To make matters worse, I had, I had a worship leader that had gotten say had been a rock and roll musician singer that had gotten saved in prison years before but he still had a lot of rough edges and he was my worship leader. And because of all those years of singing rock and roll, he was practically deaf. And so he had his own amp and he had, he had three levels on volume, loud, louder, and pain. And he had his sound turned up to pain. He had written all new music. He had written his own worship music for that Sunday morning. And I'm getting ready to go out and worship, try to have church. Got a headache, didn't sleep good, stink of garbage, flies everywhere a rock and roll ex-prisoner writing his own music with an amplifier cranked all the way up to pain. It couldn't have been any worse. And I remember so well, I just said, Holy Spirit, how would you like to come to church today? I had never prayed that before. But I said, Holy Spirit, would you like to come to church today? Well, the whole worship service was just a disaster. It was like having an all-night root canal without any medication to kill the pain. It was horrible. I couldn't wait for it all to be over. But finally, it was done. And I walked up to the microphone to take the service. And everybody sat down. No one had been worshiping. They were just all sitting or standing, waiting on this train wreck to go away. And, uh, and so everybody sits down, but one man remains standing. And he said, Pastor John, can I give a testimony? And I said, of course you can. And I'm thinking in my mind, 
please speak slowly. Drag your testimony out as long as you want to drag it. If you would like to preach today, feel free to preach. If you would like to have the job as being the pastor of this church, I'll give the whole thing to you today and throw in the worship leader at no extra cost. I was so disgusted. I just wanted to go out the back door with the whole thing between the stink, the garbage, the smell, the flies, the worship leader, the music, the songs, the volume, the rain, the apathy of the people. And here's this one man standing there saying, Pastor John, can I give a testimony? I said, sure. Take all the time you like. And he said, yesterday, I was working on the roof of my house and I fell off. Wow. He said, I fell off my roof. And he said, they took me to the hospital and um, checked me out, x-rayed me. Nothing was broken. They sent me home with pain medication and told me to rest. I was just badly bruised, but it would go away. And he said, I started not to come to church today. But in the middle of the worship, I felt this intense heat go all through my body. And now all the pain is completely gone. All the soreness is completely gone. Well, I was stunned. I thought to myself, I wonder how that happened. I'm sure it couldn't be God because God got in his car and went home 30 minutes ago. But then I remembered, I told the Holy Spirit, would you like to come to church? And suddenly I realized that in the midst of all of that, the rain, the flies, the smell, the apathy of the people, my bad mood, the horrible noise that was being called worship, the spirit of the Lord had totally healed a man. Yeah. He, went, he went back to his doctor Monday morning to tell his doctor what had happened. And the doctor did blood work on him and found out that a physical condition that the man had had and been taking medicine for 25 years was perfect perfectly normal as well. I learned something that morning that I'll never forget. If we'll only give the Holy Spirit his place and just give him honor and a little bit of respect, he will come in spite of everything else and do amazing works. Now, before we close out today, our time together. Let me help your listeners to understand the Trinity, because some people say, well, are there three gods or is there one God? How can there be three combined into one? Now, as we close out our time today, it's very, very simple. You can take, you can take a pot of water, 
you can take a pot of water and and just fill a pot with water and that is h2o water liquid you can put the pot on the stove and boil it and it will go from being a pot of liquid water to a vapor as steam you can cool the steam and it will become water you can put the pot with the water that was steam in the freezer and it will become ice you can melt the ice and it becomes water. You can boil it on the stove, it becomes steam. You can cool the steam, it becomes water. You can put it back in the freezer and it becomes ice. So you've got steam, liquid, and ice. But Iris, at no time was it ever anything but water. Yeah. It was water in three different forms. Yeah. Let me... Let me use this illustration. I am a grandfather. I am also a father. Mm -hmm. I'm a husband. I'm a brother. I'm a cousin. I'm a friend of Iris. I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. I'm all these things. So which one am I? I'm all of them. I can be all of them. I can be a grandfather. I can be a father. I can be a husband. I can be a son. I can be a brother. I can be a nephew. I can be an uncle. I can be a friend. I can be a friend. And I can all, I can do all of those different things as one person fulfilling multiple roles the father the son and the holy spirit all one three distinct identities just like ice water as ice water as a liquid or water as steam it was never anything at any point except water that's why it's just so important that we treat the holy spirit with honor and we treat him with respect because how we treat him we're automatically treating jesus and the father the same way yeah well, that is amazing isn't that absolutely amazing yeah, I've, I've heard it said that, and I believe this, if the only thing that's holding Jesus back from coming is the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is ready, then he's going to go and fetch Jesus. He won't be holding him back. But if we're not practicing the Holy Spirit and that relationship with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit can't get to work and do what he needs to do, and that is bring Jesus back. So yes. it, it's, it's a very important subject there. Yeah. Well, you know, so many pastors of so many churches, they don't, they don't trust the Holy Spirit. No. And I think one of the, I think one of the, the, the huge yeah. 
realities that we must understand right now is that the Holy Spirit will strive, 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 strive. But according to Genesis 6, verse 3, there will come a day where the Holy Spirit's going to stop striving. Yeah. I think we're at that place with a lot of churches today. He is wanted, desired, strived, brooded over them, as James 4 says, with a jealous love and has been denied and refused. And I think he's just going to leave and go and find other places and leave pastors and their churches and their elders and their deacons and their agendas and their programs on their own to play all their little religious games. Yeah. And he will go and he will find somebody else. Yeah. I you think that the last will be first. And the first, which he was referring to pastors and leaders, going to be asked. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we must honor the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. Yeah. Too true. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we are. Again, your time has gone so quickly. Um, but here we are, guys. And time just to say, you know, goodbye for now. But we're going to be back because we haven't finished yet. Or rather, Dr. John Shiver hasn't finished yet. And I hope you're getting as much out of this as I get. And I've heard it for years and years and years coming from this man. And, you know, you, there's a nugget in it every single time. There is a golden nugget. And mine today was in that word. What did you say, John? Alos. Alos. I've never heard that before. So I, I understand what it meant. But I've never heard it put that way before. So you see, if, if I can get a nugget after all these years. John and I have been talking to each other for about 20 odd years, you know, and yet there are still nuggets come out from, from teaching and listening. So it's over to you, everybody. Get your Bibles out, have another read and see what Holy Spirit will teach you as well. Bye-bye for now, and we will be back soon. Bye-bye.